Amen. Thank you, choir, for this special number. At this time, we'd like to ask our pastor to come and preach to us God's word. Pastor Shotley. Good singing. Thank you, choir. Thank you, trio. And the congregation had good singing, too. We have the daughter of Salvador Masigan here today. Salvador is pastor of the, I should say, Brother Masigan. Mansigan is the pastor of the Bible Baptist Church in Malasila. And we've just included him on a project of 30,000 pesos. Well, his daughter came to church this morning. Mrs. Uh, how do you pronounce that last name? Hadora? Yes, right back there. All right, we're happy to have her with us today. And uh, some of you ladies get acquainted with her. And she is also uh, very much in charge of and in, in active not inactive, but she is active in the uh, church there in Malasila. And it's good to see the rest of you here today too. Good to see our new members here. Good to see... Well, it's just good to see all of you here. In fact, I can't see anybody here that I'm not happy to see. I know there's one here that I don't necessarily care for, and that's the devil. Because the devil is always around. But greater is he that is in you, that's God, than he that is in the world, that's the devil. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, I'd like to speak on the subject today of great questions. By the way, we did have one that reached her goal in Sunday school this morning. That was Mrs. Lourdes Raimundo. Grade one girls. She fell up the stairs today and she still reached her goal. Be careful on those stairways, would you please? In the questions today, in, Mar in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, we find this statement. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. While the Pharisees, no, on verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Now, the reason why that many times we don't ask questions is because we don't think we're going to like the answer. We don't think we want to be involved. If we ask the question, there should be an answer. And if the answer is not to our liking, we may decide to go somewhere else to church. That's what it boils down to us here. I'd like to ask each of you to bow your heads in prayer. And let's ask the Lord his blessings upon the service. Our Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today. You know the need of each individual. There are people that are not saved. 
There are people that are weary and worn and discouraged. There are those who are backslidden and careless. Father, you know all of our needs, whether we're saved and right with thee, or whether we're cold and indifferent, backslidden, or even if we are not even saved. Whatever the need is, may the Holy Spirit reveal that unto them, that they can get things right with thee this morning, for Jesus' sake, amen. Now, there are three questions I want to talk about today. The first question is the great questions about salvation. The great question about salvation in the book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. There was a question by a religious man that was very zealous, that was misled and going in the wrong direction, as many religious people are. And on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul, future Apostle Paul, the Saul of Tarsus, was struck to the ground because of a blinding light. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And in verse 5, he asked the salvation question, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now, Paul asked, Who art thou? Now, God is the only one that can save. I cannot save. The Bible Baptist Church cannot save. The Pope cannot save. The Catholic Church cannot save. Felix Manalo could not save. Joseph Smith could not save. Buddha cannot save. Confucius cannot save. There's only one. There's only one that can save. And that's Jesus Christ. We do not need Mary to pray for us. We do not need the saints in our salvation. For God plainly put in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We do not need baptism because the thief on the cross was not baptized. We do not need a crucifix because what it represents is contrary to the scriptures in the first place. We do not need the idols, the images, because they cannot help themselves, let alone help you. No matter how old something is, no matter how reverend it is, there is absolutely no one and nothing that can save us except God Almighty. And God does the saving through His Son, Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, there is the second question. After God had created the world and put everything in, it, in its right place, God created man and God created the woman. He gave them the opportunity. They had a free choice. And yet they made the wrong choice. God said, Thou shalt not, and they did. It was not a sex act, as the world would like to broadcast it to be. It was simply a disobedient act. It was eating of a fruit tree. Whatever it was, I am not sure. I've often thought it might have been durian, but uh, you can't ever tell. It might have been a mango. <laughs> Whatever it was, God said, You don't eat that tree. They did. And as a result, there was a question asked. Adam and Eve, who was created in a perfect environment, don't blame poverty for sin. Don't blame uh, your surrounding for sin. You get it from your father. And Adam and Eve started it. Adam got it from the devil. And we find that when they sinned, they became naked. They saw themselves naked. And they covered themselves with fig leaves. 
And yet when God came to them in the cool of the evening, he did not see them. And he called out, Adam, where art thou? There's a good question. Adam, where art thou? Where art thou? And this question has come down through the centuries. For the Bible says, For whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, death is passed upon all men, because all have sinned. And Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Another portion in the book of Romans says, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none under heaven that is not a sinner except the Lord Jesus Christ. Who needs saved? You do. If you have not been saved, you need to be saved. If you have been saved, you are saved. You don't need to be saved again. You can only be saved one time. You cannot lose your salvation. When God saves you, He does it forever. You become His child. And so we find that the person who needs to be saved is every person. Now the problem is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, when the Apostle Paul writing to the Hebrew Christians, that uh, epistle, he asked that pointed question, How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now that is a danger. That is the danger. God's plan of salvation is not difficult. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. My friend, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world. The Bible says He died for everyone. Now the second question is after you are saved, the second question, second great question, is about service. We find that in the book of Acts chapter 9 that we found where the Apostle Paul asked the first question about his salvation when he said, Who art thou, Lord? Just immediately after he got saved, in Acts chapter uh, 9 and verse 6, he asked the question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? That is the question. He wanted to know what service can I render? In chapter 9, verse 10 through 20, we find the story about the certain disciple named Ananias. God spoke to Ananias and says, I want you to go on this particular street called Straight, and I want you to look for the house of justice, and on the inside of that house is a man praying by the name of Saul of Tarsus. I want you to go talk to him. Ananias he was reluctant to go on Friday night visitation. I think that might have been Friday night. I'm not sure. But anyhow, whatever it was, whether it was a Monday or a Friday, why, God told him to go talk to somebody. Ananias was, he was faint-hearted. He was afraid. He, he said, Lord, I've heard a lot of things about that fellow. He is not a, he's not a, he's not a Christian. Lord, he, he has bad language. I don't think he did, but uh, just using some of the excuses that I hear today that people don't want to go on visitation. Ananias, God spoke to him, just like he speaks to us, to go tell other people about Jesus Christ. And Ananias teaches us here that when God begins to speak to your heart, about going to talk to somebody, God is already talking to those people, and you're going to have a listening ear if you will go. And so we find that, that God told Ananias, He said, I want you to show him 
He says, you've heard a lot of things what he has done. He said, now I want you in verse 15. The Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he will do for me. Is that what your Bible says? If it is, throw it away. Because the Bible says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer. He must suffer for my name's sake. Now there was suffering along with service. And Ananias went his way. And we find the story there in verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. Ananias uh, talked to him. After that he was baptized and he received strength. He, dealt, he went with the disciples which were at Damascus and straightway he began to preach Christ. No wonder Paul said, what would thou have me to do? And he didn't wait two or three years or four or five years or two or three weeks. We find that immediately. 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 He went out preaching the gospel. As soon as you get saved, you ought to start telling people about Christ. If you don't, they have reason to question you whether you are really saved. So do the rest of the Christians around you. If you don't have any testimony, then what makes you think you're saved? If you don't have anything to tell anybody else, what makes you think you got saved? In the Bible, people that got saved... They went out and told others how to be saved. Let's ask another question. In 1 Kings chapter 19, back in the Old Testament, you got 1st, 2nd Samuel, then you got 1st Kings. Then you got chapter 18, then you got chapter 19. I think we can all figure that out. 1st Kings chapter 19, verse 9. This story about Elijah. My, you know, Elijah was, he had been used of the Lord in a great way. He'd been saved and he'd been called. And then in chapter 19, verse 9, after Jezebel had sharpened her bolo and was going to take his head off, he ran for his life. And in verse 9, he came into a cave lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And we find that it is repeated in verse 13. There came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? We find that God asked him, said, What are you doing, Elijah? What are you doing? Elijah would have said, nothing, Lord. <laughs> nothing. Early in my teenage years, even in my boyhood days, I learned not to say nothing. When my dad, when my mom, when my grandmother, when my uncle, when one of my aunts asked me, what are you doing? I learned not to say nothing, even if I was doing nothing, because immediately they gave me something to do. And usually I didn't want to do it. So I'd quickly think of something that they would accept as a good excuse of me not doing whatever they wanted me to do. God came to Elijah and said, Elijah, what doest thou? If God came to you right now, what would you say? What would you say? What doest thou? Would you say, nothing? Well, at least you'd be honest. But you would not be off the hook. Then God says, what doest thou? Somebody got happy. What doest thou here? All during the week, wherever you are, if God came to you and said, What doest thou here? I've gone into some places 
and met some people and they say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Usually I was in a place that they didn't think I should be. Probably wasn't. But the question is, if God asked you, what doest thou here? What would you say? Because you see, God has a place for every one of you. God has something for every one of you to do. The question is, are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you where God wants you to do? What doest thou here? Elijah. And then I want you to notice another question. Each one of these could be elaborated on. And I, I hate to pass it by so quickly. But Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 11. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall go, or whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Lord, here am I, send me. Now you see, God asked the question in verses 8 through 10. He tells about what he wants us to do. He wants us to go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Don't, don't get excited about what you cannot see. Do not get excited about what you do not understand. Realize that you serve a God that knows a whole lot more than you do. And that you cannot understand it. Even if he explained it, you probably would not understand it. But he has you to do a job that you may not see the whole picture of. But he has for you a very important job. It is like being on the assembly line. Where that you, an automobile assembly line. And your job is to put one nut on one bolt. That is your job. You put one nut on one bolt. And then another one comes by and you do the same thing all day long. Undoubtedly must be the most boring job in the world. And you say, well, I don't want to do it. I want to make a whole car. I want to make a whole car. If you're working for General Motors, probably they say, okay, you're fired. If you can't just do this one little piece that we are paying you for, then we'll get somebody to do it. Now, I believe that's the way God is. God has a big work for us. We cannot do it all. We don't even know how to do it all. But God has one job for you to do. You ought to find what that job is. You ought to be faithful in that job. Be as efficient as you can. Be faithful in it. And do the job because that's what God's paying you for. That's why He gives you air to breathe, water to drink. You say, I pay for my water. <laughs> Well, so far we haven't had to pay for our air. Saw in the paper the other day that the policeman up in Tokyo, that they had, they had uh, some masks on, and then they were out in the traffic for so long of a time, then they went to an oxygen room. They went in to breathe oxygen. Now, it's not got that bad in Davao yet. My friend, spiritually speaking, I think maybe it has. We've got a job to do. You must find what your job is and you must get in there and do it. Because if you say you are saved, but you are doing nothing, that you don't know where God wants you, my friend, you should have reason to question whether you are really saved or not. Because when God saves a person, He gives him a job to do. Let us go on. Isaiah asked the question in chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? How long? I'm looking out over the congregation here today and I see a number of people. That years gone by, I've been here long enough to know this. Look out and I, I know that some of you used to be Sunday school teachers. You used to sing in the choir. 
You used to go on visitation. You used to have time to go on good news classes and track work. But now, we hardly see you in church. You can do nothing because you are so occupied outside. My friend, listen. How long? When you come down to the altar and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. How long is that? Listen to what he tells us here. He said in verse 11, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man. When I came to Davao City, there were 135,000 people in Davao City. 135,000 people. One of our Bible students and I put a gospel track in every house in Davao City. Every house. 10,000 tracks more than covered all of those places. 10,000. Today, it's pushing two million. What did, what did Isaiah say? Lord, how long? How long am I to serve you? Lord, I said, Lord, send me. How long? Until the cities be desolate, empty. The cities, my friend, are not being emptied. They're being populated and more than populated. They're growing. They're expanding. Our territory is getting larger and larger and more plenteous all the time. And yet we have people who got saved 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they served the Lord for a while. But now they no longer have time. They no longer do anything for God. If God came to them and said, Where art thou? What doest thou here, Elijah? They would be ashamed as they look back to that youth camp or that altar call when they surrendered their life to be a Sunday school teacher. They surrendered their, their time and their talent to do something for God. That's a question. Salvation is forever. Why not service? Why not service? How old, how old do your children get before they are no longer your children? Hmm? How old do your children get before you stop loving them? This is what I'm talking about. When we get saved, we become God's child. He is our Heavenly Father. And when we begin to serve the Lord, it should be just like our salvation. It should be forever. Assurance. Assurance grows and it grows sweeter daily. Why not service? Why not our service for the Lord become better efficient? more effective. Why should not our service become sweeter every day of the journey? My, this last mission conference that we had was unspeakable. Mrs. Schott and I stayed up late, late, late both nights praising the Lord for what our workers had done, what our preachers had said. I'm telling you, Sweeter gets the journey. Oh, we can sing it, but do we mean it? Third question. Third question. First questions were about salvation. Second question was about service. What can my third question be? Well, it's a personal question. At least it should be. It should be your personal question. If you are not saved, you should ask the question, what must I do 
to be saved. That's what the Philippian jailer said in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30. What must I do to be saved? Did you know, did you know, sinner friend, that your salvation is your responsibility? If you die and go to hell, don't blame me. If you die and go to hell, don't blame your mother or your father. Don't blame a brother or a sister. Don't blame somebody that caused you to trip along the way. Because, my friend, when God created you, God gave you a choice. God gave you a free will. God is holding you responsible for your salvation. Second of all, in Acts chapter... Eight or nine, I forget which it is. The second question is asked by the Ethiopian eunuch to the to one of the deacons, a deacon that got called to preach. I wonder if he's the last deacon that ever gets called to preach, or the last director that ever gets called. Wouldn't that be something? If God called all of our directors to preach. I think maybe as a church we ought to start praying, Lord, make us like the early church. Call our directors to be preachers. Amen? Everybody said amen, but the directors. Now, come on, directors. You're supposed to say amen. Acts chapter 8, and in verse 36, after Philip preached to the man Jesus, they came on their certain way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, Here's the unsaved man that's been listening to the gospel. He said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, what is my point? My point is that your salvation is your responsibility. And after you get saved, your baptism is your responsibility. Sometimes people say, well, nobody ever asked me. Did you ever ask? Did you ever ask? Now quit laying the blame on everybody else. Are you saved today? You say, no, nobody ever asked me. Have you ever walked up to somebody and says, what must I do to be saved? It is your responsibility and you are the one that will go to hell if you are not saved. After you get saved, have you ever asked about baptism? Have you ever talked about baptism? Or do you like a dead fish keep floating down the river and whatever comes, whatever guides you, that's the way you go? My friend, that's not salvation. Salvation is asking questions. What must I do to be saved? What about baptism? What about church membership? Well, what is this about the Lord coming back? Well, what about the Bible? Am I supposed to read the Bible? We should ask questions because it is a personal matter. Look, if we would please, to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. I want you to see how, how personal it is. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. I want you to notice how that Isaiah said, Lord, or the Lord said, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, I. I want you to know that Isaiah came to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him. I want you to notice that he said, I heard then said I, here am I, send me. Young people, you're in school. It's your responsibility to be the Christian that you ought to be. First of all, you ought to be saved. You ought not just be a member of the church. 
You ought not just please your parents and go forward and join the church. And then after church, after you get baptized, set out in a pew like a knot on a log. Many of the members of the church, young people, children, they, they say they are saved. They want their parents to believe they are saved. And yet in church, they do not have a Bible. They do not open their Bible. They play with their fingers. They dig in their ears. They talk to their parent, to their barcada. My friend, listen. When you get saved, it is personal. When God saved me, He saved me. Didn't save my brother. He saved me. Oh, my friend, listen. I heard. I said. Here am I. You know, it's important in our society to ask questions. It's equally important to answer questions. How could you get along in school without asking questions or answering questions? You'd never get out of grade one unless you could pay your way out. How about at the table? Did you ever ask questions at the table? Hopefully you use the word please. Please pass the fish. Please pass the rice. Your mother says, do you want some more fish? The proper answer would be yes, ma'am. Would not be, huh? Would not just no answer and grab it. In court. In court. When you, when the lawyers ask. You answer it. The judge is there to say, answer it. I did not hear you. Answer it. Don't shake your head. Answer it. At the market. You ask questions. How much? What? How fresh? How about the bank? You ever go to the bank and not ask questions? You ever go to the bank and not answer questions? From the fish market to the bank. In all areas of marketing, you ask and answer questions. Even to get married. Young man goes to the young lady and says, Will you let me come to see you? What if she does not answer? And if she does, and, and you get along real good, then one day the young man says to the lady, will you marry me? What if she does not answer you? Suppose you never ask the question. Suppose you never ask the question. Even the pastor, when they decide to get married, Stands them before the whole, the whole congregation and says, Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I did not hear you. What did you say?
preacher asked me, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? And I, I couldn't talk. I went like this, and he let me get by with it. And it seems to me my wife's been asking the questions ever since. <laughs> now she's been given the answers. Now, have you ever asked God to save you? Have you ever asked God to save you? My friend, you don't fall into salvation. You don't just decide someday that you're saved. Just because the big majority of people around you that you are influenced by that get saved, that you decide you are saved also. My friend, two will be in a bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left, no matter how close the relationship is between you and anyone else. You are the one that must ask God to save you. And then, of course, have you asked to be baptized? Well, nobody's ever come and asked me. What about you? You tongue-tied? You can't ask what you know that God wants you to do? You cannot find out about it? Have you ever asked God? Have you ever asked the Lord? Have you ever asked the preacher? What can I do in church? So many people sit around on their blessed assurance until the preacher or somebody says, Oh, we need you here. We need you here. Well, I guess I can do that. Good grief. I'd hate to make up a special forces in the military like that. I'd rather get them out of the penitentiary. <laughs> Have you ever asked God how much above my tithe? Answers are not, not much value if questions are not asked. You ever notice how much preaching is done? And how few people get saved? You ever notice how much preaching is done? And how few people begin to have daily devotions? You ever notice how much preaching there is on surrendering to preach? And so few people come in to surrender their life for full-time service. I'll tell you why. It's just like the unsaved man that made the question one day when he saw all of the bumper stickers in America. And at that time it was so important for everybody that was saved to put a bumper sticker on their bumper that says, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And finally, one fellow was brave enough to ask the question. He said, well, okay, Jesus is the answer, but what's the question? What's the question? My friend, if you don't ask personal questions, me giving you the answers is not going to do much good. Shall we stand for prayer? Page 270. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching thy word. We thank you, Lord, for being one of your children. We thank you, Lord, that you do want us to serve you. Help us, each one, Lord, to recognize that it is my personal responsibility to have the proper relationship with Thee, whatever would please Thee. If we are not saved, we know that it is Your will that none should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And after we're saved, we know it is Your will to be baptized, to become a member in regular attendance of a Bible-believing Baptist church,
And after we become a member, we know it is right, according to your word, that every one of us will tithe, will get in faith promise living, and faith promise giving to commit to you what you want of us. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts, and if there are those who are inquirers, they want to ask more information, may as we give this invitation, they come forward and let some personal worker take the Bible and find the answer to their questions. For Jesus' sake, amen. As we sing page 270, Just as I am, will you come as we sing? Just as I am. have a question? Is there a doubt? Is there a wonder? You feel God would have you to come? She's a member of Bible Baptist Church in Lamedan. She wants, she's going to live here and she wants to be a member, so she transfers her membership. Maybe you're a Baptist. Maybe you've been saved in another place. You've had Baptist baptism. You'd like to transfer your membership. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. You're not sure. Make sure this morning. Don't leave this auditorium without being sure that you're saved. And if you are sure you're saved, let the words of God ring in your ears as he said to Elijah that day, Elijah, what doest thou here? You need to come. Come and let one of these personal workers pray with you today. As we sing one more verse, will you come? Verse 3. Just as I am the tossed with many a conflict, many a doubt, by pains and fears come and give us this lady's name. Just step over here, Lisa. Right over here. In the microphone, give us her name, what church she's a member of. Uh, she is Rosie Makalua. She is a member of Bible Baptist Church in Lamidon, and she came forward this morning to transfer her membership from Lamidon to our church. All in favor of receiving this one into the fellowship of the church, let's hear a good hearty amen. Any opposed? Like sign? Fifty-two weeks in a year. We need to see people saved every Sunday. Did you know that? The only way we can see people saved every Sunday is for you to go out and talk to people about the Lord, pray for them, bring them to church, and pray God will save them. 
Now, if we all did that, we'd see people saved every Sunday. Amen? Tonight at 5 o'clock, we have a meeting for the children. The young people have two different groups. The women have a group. The men have a group. Now, you are invited to whatever division you would fit into. I will pay a visit to the men's prayer meeting this evening just for a little while because I have a booklet I want to give each of our men. And so I trust that I'll see you at 5 o'clock. And then the evening service wherein we really need to see every one of you. And not only do you need not only do we need to see you, but you need to see us. Amen? I know I'm not pretty. That's why I got a pretty barong on. I got my new barong on. It was given to me uh, in 1997 for Christmas. So, if you give me something and you don't see it for a year, just have patience. You will sooner or later. But we really need to see you, and you need to be in church. Amen? Let's bow our heads and be dismissed in prayer. Our Father, dismiss us with your blessings upon us. Thank you for this one young lady that came to join our church. We pray, O God, that this may be just the beginning of a great revival. People being saved and being where you would have them to be. Touch each of our hearts, Lord. Speak to us about faith promise, not only giving, but faith promise living. Bless, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands one with the other.